The Recruitment Mentors community is now completely open for you to join. It's the meeting point for recruitment professionals who want to take their development and growth into their own hands. Whether you're starting out your career or five years into it, our mission is to empower you to accelerate your development with the most successful, collective, current and responsive teachings from outside of your four walls. You can now join the community for just £39 per month by going directly to our website at recruitmentmentors.com. That's recruitmentmentors.com. Your new mentors are waiting to meet you. Welcome to the Recruitment Mentors podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz. Today, I'm really excited to be joined by Ross Fraser, who is the Managing Director of Connecting Experts, who are a specialist within the future mobility space and are on a mission to be the number one global talent acquisition partner within this industry. Ross entered the recruitment industry in 2011, where he joined Chapman Black. Over the five years he was there, he progressed from delivery consultant all the way to becoming the head of a division. Then in 2016, uh, he left to start his own recruitment business, which is when Connecting Experts was formed. And over the last five years, Ross has been really focused on growing that business. They're currently at 20 heads, have big growth plans, and last year turned over 1.4 million as a business in 2020. Ross, thank you for joining me. Hi, how are you? All good. I'm good. I'm looking forward to this. Me too. So, so obviously, for those that may not put this together, Ross mm-hmm. is the brother of Jamie, who started Interact. Yeah. So I've had on this podcast. Yeah. T- told that you guys are competitive, so I won't. I won't let you know who gets the most downloads. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I look myself, and I'm sure he will as well. Now that you've mentioned that, he's the younger brother. In case anyone wants to know as well. So. <laughs> Love that. Well, look, I'm excited to really un- unpack your journey. So, where we always like to start is. In your opinion, what characteristics and traits do you think make up a highly successful recruitment consultant? Yeah, it's a good question because everyone's different. Um, and even, and it's only sort of over the last year or so that I've started to really like drill down and really look at different people and what's worked and what hasn't worked. Mm. Um, I think it all depends, well, partly depends on the type of recruitment that you do. But like, for example, in our space, like, and in a startup environment in particular, it's really, really important that we get people that are like mini entrepreneurs in their own right. Um, people mm-hmm. that have um, the thought process to want to be successful themselves and they have goals and visions and all that sort of stuff. So I think definitely like goal orientated people that have clear objectives and clear ambition to do something of with purpose in their life. I think that's, that's definitely like a, characteristic which is fundamental um from from a work perspective it's all to do with doing more than what the person next to you is doing on a consistent basis and i think that the good thing is if you get yourself into an environment where i was lucky obviously in in my career it sort of worked like that but if you get yourself into an environment where people are doing really really well um and they're earning good money and you you know you 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 feel motivated by the people that are around you and if you target yourself to be better than those people, then obviously, you know, you, you'll end up sort of, well, hopefully you'll end up doing well. So I think that, you know, motivated people in the sense of, you know, doing what they want to do and, and going in that direction and being quite ruthless, you know. And there are words that 
people use like ruthless and um aggressive and all that sort of stuff which can be seen in a negative light but they are actually quite positive words if you look at it in the right way like if you're ruthless with your time and you're ruthless with your effort and you are um engaged enough to be successful it doesn't necessarily matter it does matter but it's not the main focus how good you are at something if you're really drilling down that sort of stuff yeah um, and aggressive is, is all to do with again like that relentless approach um on, on wanting to achieve something so you know just from a, a personality perspective i think those are the things that i would sort of look at yeah i love that so look, what obviously what we're going to really unpack and focus on is definitely Ross being a recruitment business owner and, and growing the business you have over the last five years. But let, let's just touch on sort of um, Ross being an employee and, and being a recruiter yourself. So I guess like how would you, I'm always interested, but like how would you describe your first year in recruitment? Like what 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 was that like? Uh, like a bit of a whirlwind because it was, I was, how old was I? I was 18, just about to turn 19. Yeah. And I joined this company, which was like two entrepreneurs that had sold a business before, um, really engaged team. And I was the youngest at the time. So it was like... How, how I was, old was you? When I you was 18. Eight, oh, wow. I was 18. So I started in January and, and then I turned 19 in February. Wow. Um, I did I did like a, an internship for the first three months. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. So they paid my expenses, but, but I wasn't actually paid. And uh, I remember the guy that hired me said to me, you need to show to us why we should hire you versus a graduate, if that makes sense. Wow. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, I'm boiling it back down to like what I, what I really focused on at the time and what, what I, like, I was really nervous and people that know me now would think like that's not possible, but I was really, I found it difficult to talk in front of people. I found it difficult to, um, my, my interview must have been terrible. Like if I interviewed myself now, then it, I can imagine. But the first year was, was really progressive for me because, you know, I started to, again, focus on those things. I was aggressive, but in the right way. I was proactive in the right way. I was hungry yeah. to be successful. Um, and, you know, it, it, it sort of went, like I, could, I saw, I felt myself like develop as a person in that year quite significantly. And their coaching and training was really, really good. And it really helped because you had people to look up to. Yeah. Well, it sounds like what you're talking about there is confidence and like a definitely. bit of self-belief. Definitely, Where, definitely, so let, definitely. let's just talk, let, let's just talk about that real quick. Cause I think, I think I speak to loads of recruiters and I think I'm sure I maybe may not agree, but I feel like even people that are really experienced still experience that and that self-doubt or imposter syndrome or whatever. So I guess mm-hmm. where did that, like, I don't know, how did you, I guess it seemed like what you did is like you recognized that and then you like channeled energy into things that I don't know, p- pushed you on. And, and like you said, but I don't know, where did it, why do you think you lacked confidence out of interest? And uh, why? I think, I think that you li- like everyone leaves school and yeah, well, everyone leaves school start <laughs> some earlier than others. Um, but I think, I think the point, the point is, is that I, left school with no idea what I was actually going to do. Um, and I started to work for an estate agent when I was 17 and I was like, this is not what I want to do. Um, like like the people, no disrespect to the people that work there, but the people that worked there had already worked there for quite a long time. 
they're still there to this day at the same estate agents in Stratford. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't, I don't see myself doing that um, like long term. So I was sort of like, I found it difficult to then sort of think, what am I going to do and, and how, how am I going to be? a lot of pressure, isn't it? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Like, you, like my mum's a single, single mum, not that, that that really matters to, you know, loads of people in that situation, but I think it's hard to, it's hard to then feel that you're the right, you're in the right situation or that you're, you're going to be good enough, if that makes sense. And I, and I yeah, know yeah. that, I know that that is how other people must feel. Um, and I think when you go into an environment and you see other people and you see how confident they are and how good they are at what they do, you, you start to, not everyone, but people, yeah, you start to compare and doubt yourself. Um, and looking back at it, that's the complete opposite of what you should do. If you focus on what you do, compare, observe, take things in that you like, but if you really focus on what you can do, people are talented enough to, to achieve that. And I, I think that that's, that's the main reason why at the start I was really, really nervous, if that makes sense. Yeah, and yeah. I think, and, and even now, like even now, some things I think like, whoa, like when I sit back and I, I sort of work out like what, where we want to get to. And I think, whoa, like, is that even logical? Um, yeah. But again, you've got to stick to the principles. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. And the, the reason why I wanted you to talk about that was because I think a point that you made earlier that people may view you now and may not even know that's how you were at the beginning, right? So I think it's important. Yeah. That's what this is all about. But also, I'm sure now hiring for your team and business, like you probably see some of this, you may see some of you early on in, in people as well. So I guess the yeah. next part that I would love, and you may have already sort of touched on the comparison thing, but I guess there'll be a lot of people listening to this that may still lack that confidence or may still not. Um, yeah. They, they didn't turn it on or they didn't then change it. So I guess for you, what, what clicked? Like when did you, when did you then actually, maybe you turned that into, well, no, I'm going to stop using it as a reason as to why I should be confident. I'm going to turn it into a reason why I'm motivated to be confident and be, I don't know, like what clicked for you to sort of, yeah. Yeah. Channel that but, in a different way. I think like, I'm comp I'm competitive as a person, right? So it it was good how it was set up. So I was in a room with other people that started with me, and we focused on uh, like number generation, and yeah. we we had certain KPIs. So it was only small. It was like call time and um, outbound calls and and stuff like that. And I and I was yeah. just like every day, I don't care what happens. I just want to be top of these top of those, yeah, uh, yeah. top of those points. Um, and I think over over quite a quick period of time, and I see it with other people that are higher even now, you you start to understand I can do this. Like it, it's not actually that difficult. Build momentum. Just, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And obviously you get knockbacks. Everyone gets knockbacks. But I think that process was 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 really really useful. Um, so yeah, I, again, like I, I just always focused on what I or tried to focus on what I could influence in that day and in that hour and whatever. And yeah. Okay. No, I love that. So I guess a couple of things. One, like obviously you, you progressed obviously quite, quite quickly in those five years. So I guess mm. obviously, obviously it didn't end up turning out all well for Chapman Black, which everyone was saw and everyone was aware, but I guess mm -hmm. at the time and where you were, as I'm sure you would have looked at the business, like, wow, I'm surrounded by yeah, really um, high performing people and these types of things. So I think it'd be fair to say that it was a highly competitive environment. 
So I'm always yeah. interested to, because we all hear recruiters and, and, and people say that I want to progress my career, right? But few actually do it. So I guess yeah. I'm just interested to ask you, like, why do you think Ross was the person that was able to get the promotions that you was over the person sitting next to you? Uh, again, I, I, I think it comes it comes back to like the principles of just trying to be better than the people around you and trying to do like we we we, didn't, we only at the, when I was there we only started at the time we were only doing roles in Germany at that point and we were only doing so like medium sized fees and stuff and like medium size and what we do is like fifteen twenty k um, so it was it was from my perspective I always wanted to push the boundaries like I did the first, the best first six months in, in as a delivery consultant um build 150k in the first six months as a sales consultant um and then it sort of at, at a period of time i was always trying to push the barrier yeah. in terms of okay i want to be a practice manager before anyone else becomes a practice manager i want to be yeah. the youngest practice manager in the company i want the the, the team then to be the, the 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 number one team in terms of profit profitability within the business and then it became the group and then whatever else so it's always like at every step there needs to be an opportunity to develop even further. Nice. Um, and that, that's the reason why when I, when I think back about the reasons why I set up Connecting Expert, it was because I then felt that I had no further to actually go, oh, um, yeah. become, which becomes the, the motivating. So why for me, like recruiters are very good at talking a good game. That's their job. Yeah. Um, but the the substance is the important part, and there's there's loads of really really good recruiters out there, and I think that they do the simple things and set simple goals that are realistic, but you know, um, what's the word? That realistic but challenging for them to go and achieve, and and that for me is always the difference between good and bad, yeah, or good, good so- and average. Just, just a point on what, because I think it's interesting. Just a point on what. So clearly, back to your point around being looking for people that are goal oriented, and clearly, you built momentum, built confidence, and then you're like, right, I'm, I'm going to absolutely smash this and achieve these targets that no one's ever done, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And that kept you going until a point. I think mm-hmm. I had someone on here not too long ago where he said the most consistent and high performing recruiters were able to actually dust themselves off and actually remain motivated despite having an absolute quality month and then do it all again the following month he said some mm-hmm. people that mm-hmm. weren't as consistent got mm-hmm. complacent and weren't able to mm-hmm. do that so I guess what I wanted to ask you with you sharing that I know you said it got to a point where you was probably a bit more demotivated which is maybe what started the business idea point but how for people listening that are because I'm sure you have people in your business now that are showing up every month smashing it like how did you keep yourself motivated because that's the that's an important part to make isn't it because smash these targets then it's like right okay well what now then like you need to keep that motivation do you know what i mean yeah i I think anyone who's who's got themselves into like a a, a top so when you start i think it's all about earning commission and you want to earn commission and you hit your targets and okay now i've got now i'm starting to earn money which is the whole reason why one of the main reasons why people get into recruitment then once you start to earn money it's like okay well i'm now saving towards xyz and then once you start saving towards X, Y, Z, you buy your house, whatever it may be, whatever it can be, anything. I think then you start to develop um, ambitions which are not necessarily monetary, but more about your career, if that makes sense, and more about, yeah, yeah. okay, well, what can I do with this group of people or what can I challenge myself? And, you know, is there, a, is there like companies that do like incent- incentives and which 
you know, loads do, and companies that do top bill of prizes and whatever, that's that's then that's then what should and would become your focus. It's not the only yeah. thing, but it so it then steps away from how much money am I earning because it kind of becomes obvious that you learn money because you've done that for so long. If that, I know yeah, yeah, yeah. sounds stupid, but it does. And then you start to, I believe that you start to refocus really on other things. And that's why companies have to give, I, I think now more than ever, people good, clear career progression, um, you know, share options, opportunities to, to have ownership of the company, to build things, for open offices, whatever it may be, there has to be something. Yeah. But that relationship with your, your management or your manager or whatever it may be is important because they should understand what is motivating that person to be successful because everyone has different opinions. Yeah, no, I love that. So look, final thing on this then, like if you could, um, if you could go back and I'm all, I'll always love ask this question. So if you could go back and speak to Ross, who was entering the recruitment industry in 2011, yeah. what, what, what advice would you give him? Don't be so cocky. <laughs> but you just said you was no you said you wasn't yeah well i went from one i went from one extreme to the other i think all oh, right fair really fair. yeah what would you say think, then don't be cocky be stay grounded stay humble yeah i think stay 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 focused on like you know what you said about uh like recruiters that consistent like consistency is 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 what top billers do and they're always yeah. always billing regardless of if they have a good or a bad month a bad month for a top billers like 30k and you think that's still quite yeah. good um but yeah i think if i look back at, at you know when i went into sales i did 150k as a as a sales consultant um in the first six months in the first three months there was no threshold and the sales the the commission at chapman black was pretty good so i was all of a sudden i was 19 and i was earning a lot of money yeah. um so you start going out and stuff and you start becoming like jack the lad in the pub and whatever else and uh i think that my biggest like I've had some of the best nights ever in that way, but my biggest regret, if I look at myself as a person, but everyone does this, like you get sort of, uh, you look back at your night out and you think, oh, I wish I never did that. <laughs> what but, that? Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think that the point is that bit, having that sort of arrogance at a time, it was too much. It, it shouldn't have, it, yeah. arrogance is good. Again, like it comes back to the other things that these things are good in small doses. Um, yeah. But I think just like a young, like a lot of young boys, I was, I was too, too boisterous, if that makes sense. And I, I, I wish I'd, I wish if I looked at myself now and I've got people that work for me and I, I'll just say to them, I know exactly what you're like and you need to, you need to listen to me. And, uh, yeah, that's yeah. what I wish I was more, um, wish I, that's what I would tell myself anyway. No, no, f- thank you for sharing that. I think, cause I find it really interesting, right? Cause it's like you, everything that you're talking about, it's like, I know it's, it's your responsibility to go to make those decisions, but sometimes you do need, need a bit of guidance. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that I don't know. I, I'd like to see more sort of recruitment business owners do where like, you know, that that 19 year old in your business has gone from not making much to 50, 60, 80 grand. And that, that's a lot of money at that age. And I think it'd be great if people could actually spend a bit of time and go, look, I do what you want to do. I've been in your shoes, but mm. this is what I wish I did with my money at that age. If that's yeah. putting it in the stocks and shares, ISA or whatever it may be, I yeah. don't know. I'd love to see some actual financial guidance to people where like, yeah. I know those people, like you just said, if you, you would probably be, if you were to say that to the younger Ross, you'd probably be thanking, thanking yourself right now. That, do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. 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 I, I, I agree. And I think that that's the beauty of, 
being like still quite young myself and having a, re a relationship with people that work with me and I think I think there has to be again you have to uh, have to create that environment which is aspiring for people and yeah you know obviously I aspire to do whatever and you know even even you know if you take Jamie for example he's, he's really good inspiration for, for how he looks at his life like he's, he's like super regimented which is which is something to, to look at and to be thinking of so like people un within my business now I think it's important like for me it's important that we the managers and they build good relationships they they understand what what the people want to do not just about money but what they actually want to do with their career um and and try to give them as much advice as possible um but yeah, it's hard. It's hard. To, it's hard to convince a 19-year-old who's just earned his first commission check. Don't spend that on whatever you're going to spend it on. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the fact that I think that yeah, I think that's great that you're having those conversations and encouraging that. Though. I think that's awesome. So, so let's get into Russ. Russ starting connecting experts then and starting this business. Or so that's a completely different ball game from being an employee, yeah. like knowing what you need to do. So, talk to us about. I guess why don't we just start with a lot of people speak down with their mates and run the pub and whatever and go I'm going to start my own recruitment business one day but never actually do it so mm. I guess what what gave you the courage I think the 19 year old me who probably said that several times I thought if I don't <laughs> if, if I don't oh, do it for myself lads I yeah, said, oh, yeah this is me <laughs> if, if, I don't, if, if I don't do it I'm going to get ripped for the rest of my life so I just had to I think but um <laughs> Uh, no, honest, honest, honest answer is uh, two, two. There's two parts. So one, I, I didn't feel like there was any further for me to go at Chapman Black, yeah. which I think, which I think was was obviously a big part. Um, and two was um, my mum said to me and Jamie one day, "Why don't you both start a recruitment company? You both do really, really, really? well on your own." Yeah, basically, she had ten percent of both of our companies. Which, no, oh, yeah, I love that. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, we've got the rest, but she has 10%. So, um, so there was no way that we were going to be able to start a business together um, as much as the idea of it was great. He, he, he comes from a contract background. I'm all perm and retain searches and stuff like that. So how we yeah. work and our opinions on how different. to work are different. Although different I, markets I, as well, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So so long story short is we, we took in an office where we live um, – like a shoebox, like half the size of, if, if that, probably a quarter of the size of this kitchen. Um, yeah. And uh, £450 a month, whatever. And uh, yeah, we started. And I'll be, I'll be honest, like the, the hardest part at the start was motivation mm. in, the sen in the sense of I'd been in an environment where there's loads of people around me and it's easy, like someone's doing really well, it's easy yeah, to really yeah, put yourself yeah. up and to be motivated. If things are hard in that environment, they are hard. Yeah. Um, the beauty was Jamie is super like, boom, 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 boom. It's positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it, that made it easier. But I'd say that was, the, for me, the biggest challenge at the start. Um, could, could we just talk about that for a second? Because I, I hear this a lot. So I... I've spoken to and, and worked with a lot of sort of smaller business owners and I hear yeah. this a lot and and it's, I think some people would be surprised, wouldn't they? Because they'd think, well, Ross, you've just started your own business. How can you not be motivated? But 
it's, it's a bit deeper than that, isn't it? It's some of the things that you just said, and it's actually like you've been used to bouncing off people and stuff like that. Whereas now it's like every single minute of the day, you've got to motivate mm. yourself. And I've, I've struggled that with at times. And what I've had to really be clear on is really understanding like why I'm doing what I'm doing. Cause I think yeah. sometimes you can get really, you can just very easily just get nailed down in like the day to day and knowing what you need to get done. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can forget like, right, why, why the fuck did I start this again? Like, why did I actually go on this journey? Yeah, so I guess yeah. what, what obviously you had Jamie, which, which helps, but I don't know what, what helped. Cause I'm sure you had to really tap into your yeah. motivation and stuff like what, what ended up really sort of picking your motivation up or what did you go to, to help you get motivated? Yeah. I, th- I think, I think the, um, I think a big thing at the time was to do with, uh, again, going back to sort of like my start and how I wanted to be, it was like, I always knew I wanted to be successful and I, I yeah. never quantified what success meant at the time because I, yeah. I was 23 when I started um, connecting experts. Um, and I just thought, well, like, okay, how, how can I get this? The other thing, like, I had a six month um, non-compete, obviously. So I, yeah. I, I started by doing something comp- not completely different, but I'd done automotive for the whole time I've been in recruitment and then I yeah. stepped out of that for six months. So I was yeah. recruiting, I was, I was doing searches still for the same skill set, but in a different industry. Yeah. So I just took that as a challenge again, sort of like took that as a goal as for something that I could try to do to try to build a bit of a brand um, outside of automotive because that was going to come. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just like, okay, let's, let's, let's challenge myself. Let's find something. Um, and, People like maybe people do, but I, I wasn't the type of person that was going to be able to sit in an office for 12 hours a day, every day, not speaking to anyone in terms of like socially interacting, yeah. just speaking to it, it, it. Just that wasn't for me, and that's that's why that's why you know I can imagine people find find that lockdown tough because if they're not socially interacting with people, not everyone, some people can do it, but that's tough. Um, so it was just like okay, let's go and win a position and let's, let's make sure that we fill that position. And um, luck, luck, luckily enough, things started to fall into place. Um, yeah. And How long did yeah. it take? How long did it take for you to do your first deal? Uh, six weeks. So nice. I, won a, I, won, I won a retainer quite early on. So basically what I did is I went down all my LinkedIn contacts and I took out all the, I didn't take them out, but I called all the ones that weren't automotive. Yeah. And I called this one guy um, and he was like, yeah, we're looking for a, like a chief purchasing officer for our business, building materials business in Belgium. So like I rang my mum, I was like, I've got to go to Belgium to, to meet these guys. Um, she's like, okay, why are you calling me? Um, <laughs> just go. Uh, so I went, went done a business trip to Belgium. got a, got a, like, basically I, I, I made like the typical retainer was like a third, 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 if that makes sense. Like, yeah. Yeah, so I just said like, okay, just pay me ten thousand euros up front, and then I'll do a fixed fee for the rest because I was just like, I'll do whatever it takes. Yeah, yeah, get that money back. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, l- luckily that you know the search was successful, and um, I still work with some of the people that are there now. So, um, and then it was just a case of like, you know, trying to momentum. Work. And that, yeah, 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 yeah. And we started to hire. I was hired a couple. I hired a couple of people in that year, and uh, yeah, it was good. Love that. So let's just, because you've mentioned it, like just real quick and you can, like how, how much of your business is retained? Uh, depend, depends which part. Uh, so I'd say a third probably. Third, really? Yeah, 30% roughly, yeah. Yeah. Approximately. 
So j- just a quick one on that, and I'm sure you may or may not have seen the like. I th- I feel like um, I don't know from the lens that I see. I feel like there's just been so much more noise around, and it's something I've. If, have, have, did you had you already done a lot of retained at Chapman Black, and that was yeah. the environment you was in? Yeah, I just yeah. feel like a lot of people are just making so much noise online around like contingent is dead and all this sort of stuff. So I so I guess for you, like in your opinion, like why do you think um a lot of recruiters struggle to transition into retained or like, I don't uh, know. Okay. So I think people, people like, if you've never pitched a retainer, it's like asking someone for money up front that, that is completely against how you've worked before. If that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's like breaking the mold of what you've been used to. Um, yeah. And someone put it quite nicely for me, for me before. If you build a brand and you build a reputation and you are good at what you do, um, you don't go into Apple, or you can now, but you don't go into Apple and say, give me that phone, I'll pay you when, it, when I've used it. Do you know what I mean? You yeah, buy the yeah, phone yeah. and then you use it. Um, and it's a service, but it's a service that should guarantee results. And if you're good at what you do, you should be able to articulate that in a way where where it can come across, but that's for, that's for an experienced person like that. An experienced person should know that. I think that there are loads of techniques that you can use to sell a retained search. And I think that it's more specific for like 80K, 90K plus salaries. You're not going to be able to sell a retained search necessarily for like a blue collar engineer. Unless maybe it's like volume, maybe it might be like X maybe, number of maybe, project. Maybe, maybe. But I think I think I think the thing the thing that everyone well people should I always look at and and it's it's a it's a solution right so there's there's hiring problems is what a company needs and why they need it and I think that if you're able to question that and to really understand what they need why they need it how's that affecting them why can't they get it etc 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 then you can start to create a solution that is custom to that per, that company. Yeah. So is it because they haven't got any money? Is it because they've got loads of money, but they just haven't got any contact? Is it because they're in a bad location? Whatever it may be, then you start to create the solution. So what, what I think people should start to do in general is start to look at not using the word like retained and not using the word contingent and RPO and whatever that may be, but start to think of solutions that can be boxed up for a client based on I what their that. expectations are. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think that you can be creative. I think, and, and companies that are rigid and don't offer the opportunities for their consultants to be creative are stifling their own development and revenue growth. Yeah, no, I love that. I've, I love the way that you're thinking about that. And I think, and what, what that also really encourages, and the only way that you're going to be able to get there is by being consultative. Mm-hmm. And yeah, exactly. what you, yeah, and it's like you said, it's it's me and you having a conversation around yes, to hiring, but let's talk mm-hmm. about how this actually impacts your business and what you're not going to be able to achieve and where you're going, blah blah blah. And then you can actually mm-hmm. come up with a, and you're only going to do that if you'll be consultative and not going right. Have you got a job and spot business and transaction? Hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. The the future of of like business success, like, and I think it, it's always always has been, but I think like it's more obvious now than ever through platforms like this and whatever yeah. else it might be. But the future of business success is relationships. And that goes yeah. for relationships internally, that goes for relationships 
uh, with your customers, it goes for relationships with your suppliers. If you build good relationships and you start to farm the relationships and you start to learn more about those people, the opportunities mm. for development, you know, obviously from a monetary perspective and from a from a uh, business perspective are, are huge. Yeah, love that. So let, let's just talk a bit about your journey in, in growing this business then. So first couple of years, I guess just not because it always means profitability, but just for context, like after two years, two and a half years, so halfway into your journey, how, how many of you, so obviously you started with you and Jamie in that shoebox room mm-hmm. and obviously had your non-competes, so had to do other things, but like two and a half years in, how many of you guys were they, where were you, like what did the business uh, look like at that point? Yeah, so so we moved from the first office, just me and Jamie, to an office for four people, me, Jamie and two others, then we moved from that office to the office group in up to London. Yeah. And then we had an office for like 20 people and we shared that. Um, I think after sort of two and a half years, um, we were, I was at sort of eight, eight, seven or eight people, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that the, the big learning I take from that period of time is getting the right people into the right spots, um, mm. getting the right people that breathe, understand, learn, want to be how you are, want to be, you know, pushing in the right direction. I think that that's something that we were missing a little bit at the time. Um, so that, can we talk about that? Cause that's such a common challenge. Hmm. So like, what, what was it that you found difficult? Was it you was hiring people? Then you were like, nah, that like, they're not right. Was it you were hiring? Yeah. I don't know. Was you still working out? What is the connecting experts culture? Like, I don't know what, what, yeah. what was difficult about it? I think I think we're still working out like what our core markets were going to be, and I know it sounds crazy after two and a half years, but you sort of you sort of as a as a consultant or as a, a, a principal consultant yeah. or whatever, you just we were working in automotive, but we were just doing deals if that makes sense, and there wasn't really any direction. Yeah. Um, but we were doing well, so there was no need for direction at that time. And I think yeah. that there was uh, well, there was, but it just didn't happen. But there was a point when I wasn't happy with how the company was for several reasons and that was like a eureka moment as to like well we need to change i need to change this and i need to make some tough decisions and it i think a lot of it was that well part of it was down to like growth like if you think about growth and you focus on growth and you hire but you go okay that person could do the job so let's bring them in um that's wrong that shouldn't happen um, especially for the first hires, like when you're building a team, the people that you get into that team at, at the start, and again, this is a learning that I have, it should be the people that you trust inundately that they're going to be successful. And, mm. and, 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 and not just successful, I, I mean, like they'll, they'll, think, they'll think the right way, they have the right attitude. Again, it comes back to like all of the things uh, that we spoke about before um and yeah i mean like for me that's so important looking back at it that's really like so then what so so what what were some of the main changes that you made then going from i think that i think fair play for you to having the self-awareness and willingness to be like you know what i don't like yeah. where this business is going or sort of i think it needs to be going in a different direction like yeah. what, what were the, cause I think some, cause I think that's can sometimes be the challenge when you're running a small business is like, you can get in a bit of a rut, can't you? And like you, you yeah, just definitely. all of a sudden it's like, we've been doing it this way for six months now. It's, so I don't know what yeah. were some of the, cause some people may really relate to that and they don't know how to 
maybe take the first step in the right direction? I don't know. What were some of the first steps that you had to take that really enabled you to get down on that track that you was a lot more happy with or what you felt was the yeah. right thing to do? Yeah, I think the first the first thing that that the, the the first part of dealing with your business is dealing with yourself um, mm. and feeling happy with yourself and what you're doing. And um, like I, not a lot of people know this, but I had a lot of trouble with like my personal men- mental health at a time. Okay, uh, I found it really difficult to like do uh, to be alone and um, yeah, like like a form of like um what's the word I, not adhd um ocd sorry um and yeah it i wasn't happy with myself so i had to i had to go and reflect on, Work that on yourself and, and deal with that and and met loads of really good people and anyway that's that's where it started so you have to like you have to be happy with what you're putting into it and before you can expect to get something out of it yeah just um, just quickly on that thank you for sharing that really quickly um like what a lot of people would feel those things that you felt and experienced but may never actually reach out for help is is mm. one of the like what i don't know was there anything that i don't know what enabled you to reach out for help or like start that because i think a lot of people could still mm. be feeling like that and not would have done anything about it and anything there to share yeah I, I, well what, what I think I had good people around me, like um, my girlfriend who I'm with now, like she was like immense throughout this whole process. Um, Amazing. My mum obviously was immense throughout the whole process and uh, I was in a fortunate position that, that they were like that. And, um, but I think, you know, it, when the hardest, the hardest thing for people is, is to not speak about problems that they might have. Um, especially, you know, young boys, for example, I can imagine, you know, just relating to myself, how difficult that would be for people who don't want to have people, you know, rib them about their emotions or their feelings. Like at the end of the day, there, sh- there should be, and there is always a structure and people do understand. It's only when you start to articulate like what your problems are and they might not even be like, they might be superficial. They might actually be made up by yourself. Like you're not good enough or all that sort of stuff. And I think that as soon as you, as a person, and it's a maturity thing as well, but, and there's tools and, and uh, there's techniques that you can learn and all that sort of stuff. And there are loads of really, really good people out there that can help with that sort of stuff. But as soon as you as a person get past that, that's when there is, like a light bulb moment for you and and you know like when you're stressed about something and then all of a sudden you're not stressed and you sort of decompose yeah uh, it's like yeah it's, just feel a lot more loose your body, a lot more free your, yeah your body your body feels like like relieved of all this pressure that's been building up and that was the that for me was the the big point when connecting experts like we from basically from that point and then from changing some of the people and from really focusing on right this is what we're going to do really start to be like what I was at the start, like really start to be super motivated and super hungry to be successful. From that point, we doubled in revenue and in the last year we've doubled in size. Um, so that's been a significant, like that was a significant moment for me, the company. Um, yeah, me and the company really. I love that. Mate, thank you for sharing that. And so, so basically what you shared there was, well, look, before any sort of growth or the right things happen, you're sharing that you need to work on yourself and 100%. have that vulnerability to work out where you need to work on that. 100%. So 
I love that. And thank you for sharing that. So I guess let's just talk a bit about then when you had that more clarity and you felt more deep, like composed and like, you, you know why you know why you turn up every day. Like what were some of the, I guess, um, some of the things that you learned when you were growing, like, did you get better at hiring the right people? What did that look like? Like, did you then Definitely. really, yeah. Talk to yeah, us a bit I about think, that. I, I think, I think the main thing was to do with like, okay, Right, so we're gonna we're gonna grow. This is our business, and this is how it's gonna grow. So let's get the right people now in the right seats that are gonna be part of that journey, and let's give them opportunities to grow something. Um, mm. and it starts with just themselves, and building that like sort of management team is is the yeah. first huge step, and getting so those guys yeah. right. Yeah, and doing whatever it takes. Like if if it means that you have to pay someone more money than what you actually want to pay them, but you strongly believe that they're the right person do it if you believe that that person has goes out a lot but they are going to do when they're in the office they are going to do not a hundred percent everything that you want them to do do it keep them mm. in as much as you can but do it um <laughs> you know just just do what's required at that point to get your business how you want it to be structured because once you have that structure the growth opportunities for you and your team, like you can't double in size if you don't have the right infrastructure, as simple as that. Um, yeah. And the growth opportunities for you and your team and for the people around you and for them to start to see us to, to aspire to be like the managers and stuff, that comes from getting the right people in, in play. And, yeah. and that's what I, I think that's the big, you know, game changer for us as well. Yeah, and I think we, we've discussed this quite a lot on the podcast that that's probably like the most important layer in the recruitment business to scale because of the reasons mm -hmm. that you're talking about. Because um, mm -hmm. I think it can be, it could have been quite easy for you to get, like I guess maybe people just to help you deliver or like go down that route rather than like really focusing on getting that management layer or those those future leaders. So I guess how so just just to make this really clear because this could be really practical for people like. What, how many, how many people made up, how many people did you want to get where you're like, right, if I get three people, four people that can, that can really deliver on that sort of that, that management layer, that really important layer, then we can really start growing from there. Like how many people did you want to get in those seats and how many seats were there out of interest? How did you structure it? We just had some connection issues, but as I was just asking you, Ross, I guess the question was just to make it really practical for people. You said how important that management layer was. All I wanted to ask you was like how many, how many, in your eyes, like how many people did you need in those seats to really kick that off? How big your team, your team is and how big your teams are, if that makes sense. Um, like we had, uh, we've got three big, we've got three like divisions, let's call them. And it was important to get the, the right heads of those teams. Um, and obviously yeah. as the company's grown, it's been important to get the, it's been important to get like the right head of, operations has been important to get the right head of talent um, that's super important the right head of talent because if you're not bringing the right people into the company what is your company um so yeah i mean it, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter how big that team is it can't be super big and it can't be unmanageable and you have to be able to communicate with people on a regular basis and touch points and all that sort of stuff um and and then obviously you know if you, as long as you're covering the bases of like your core markets i think that's the most important part yeah nice love that so let's just i love the fact that you just said around those other important positions so at what stage 
did you invest in a operations person? What at what stage did you invest in a internal talent person? Because I think that's I think a lot of businesses, smaller grown businesses, think, oh no, that that's someone like that's so that's for a bigger business, right? So like I don't know, where was you at a business when you hired people like that? So uh, I would say like when we when we started to to really drive down as to what the business plans are gonna be and, and what the growth is gonna look like and all that sort of stuff. Um, if you're if you're gonna grow, you as the owner of, or owners or whatever it may be of the company can't do that yourself. Um, so okay, how, how are you gonna do that? And I think that the Rectorex strategy is clear and that can work. Is are you gonna get all your hires from Rectorex? Possibly, but it'd be super expensive. So probably not the right thing to do. Um, so forget again, forget about the cost of what hiring that person is going to be if you back that person and you think that person is going to be good and is going to represent your brand in the right way is going to engage with the right people is going to be convincing to you know even even at 20 people even at 30 people people will still have reasons why your company is not the right company for them or is too small or is whatever it can be anything it industry is not interesting so i think that you have to be able to then like communicate the uh, the reasons for why they should join your company um so that that head of talent is is really really important um to to ensure so again like from a, from a growth perspective if you're gonna grow you need that person um where, where so how many of you were there how many of you were there when when you hired ten. that person? So, so uh, a point, a point of a point of sort of ten, uh, eight or ten, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. So since since we've hired that person, our growth is double um, in quarter of the time, um, and I think we get it right as well, which is which is good. Uh, and from an operations perspective, same sort of thing. I think like you know your operation as such becomes bigger because got more people to look after you've got more computers you've got more um whatever it can be anything um yeah. to, to, to in, in your business and and you know i think that the you can't underestimate the role that operations has in in, in a business like finance like luckily for me uh my mum is is as i said like she has 10 percent of the company but she's also the finance director of connecting experts um so I was fortunate in that sense that she was able to do that and she's done that before in her life and she, she knows what to do there. So that's a really, really important role that I had staffed since day one. Lucky nice. enough. Um, more to that, like op- from an operations perspective. Okay. So if we like the industry and people like new business owners and people that come into it, they talk about like innovation and they're the next best thing and stuff like that. So, why don't why doesn't the operations person then become responsible for how to innovate the office and the back end and um just the environment like itself like since i've started and like for example we used to write we used to write our kpis on whiteboards now we have like digital screens which you can see on videos of, of our company now we've talked them as much as possible uh but like you know they're, they're digital screens they're on a grass wall they look fancy it's real time and all that sort of stuff so how can we innovate the environment to innovate ourselves if that makes sense like how can we make ourselves better by our environment um 
and that's what the operations role is is really really fundamental in, in putting to the table yeah i love that and then again i think i, I ask you this just because i think again people can if they if they are serious about growth can feel get into the trap of like ah. Oh, I'll get an operations person when I'm here or it's not needed yet. Like in your journey, did you, when did you hire the operations person? Was you at that sort of 10 head mark again and you knew how important it was or? Yeah. 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 I think at the start you can manage a lot of that stuff as, as a business yeah. owner, you can manage, you can, you can deal with that. It also depends on what journey your business has taken. Like, are you, are you well funded by a big business to set up a brand and then you have a percentage of that brand, but you've got a million pounds behind you to do that. Obviously then you can rapidly attract and build that infrastructure very, very quickly. If you're like what I was and you have your own money and it's, there's no one backing you and you do it yourself, then you need to take more responsibility. Well, not more responsibility, but you, you have more onus on, the cost and stuff like that. So you have to take slightly more control over those types of things at a time. Um, but once you get to a certain point, and again, it's all this, all, all of these things I would say about reflection and self-awareness and understanding what, what's going on. Once you realize you cannot do everything, which you cannot, no one can, you then realize you need to get the right people in the right spot in order to achieve the next step of what you're, objectives are and i think that was really really important for us yeah no amazing so how um how has it been like dealing with a lot of first then so like gone on this growth you've doubled yeah you've gone from this shoebox room of you and your brother smashing it out so now it's 20 heads of you like how have you i think sometimes people can be quite worried again back to like confidence or just worried around like am i going to be able to lead these people like am i the right person i don't know like what's that journey been like for you how have you sort of because you're the person that's walking down the track first right so like how's yeah. that been uh how's that been that is it's a continual it's a continual thing so like recruitment's weird because you could have your best month ever and it'll be the best feeling ever but then as soon as it comes the first of the next month you start again and yeah. and that can work in the other way. That can work in the other way. Like if you have a really, really bad month, then all of a sudden you've got a fresh, fresh, fresh start. And I think that that's good. And I think that when you start to pick, like pick, the reason why I mention it is because people don't always look back at what they've done. They just look forward at what they're going to do. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and that's where like the reflection part comes in and that's where like really focusing on what you can do better and how you can improve. And, and again, really going back to the start of like my career, I think that I don't look at, okay. So if I look at what I envisage, like I want us to open an office in the U S um, that's a huge milestone for me personally. Um, I want us to get to X number of heads, whatever it may be. Um, I don't look at that and go, that's going to be super expensive. How are we going to, how are we going to even do that? Who's going to do it? I'm obviously part of me is thinking about that sort of stuff, but it's not like the main thing that's, that's like yeah. dwelling me down. If that makes sense. So I, I look at what I can impact today and I look at what we need to be doing in order to achieve the next two, three, four months. Like if we had had this conversation 14 months ago, no one would have been able to forecast what was going to happen. No one um, in the world because it was impossible. And I think that 
having contingency plans of okay if this is well let's focus on this but also being quite goal orientated short medium long term allows you to not worry about the big picture and get you know boggled down by it taking one thing at a time and really focusing on that and really focusing on how that can work and how you can influence those particular points is is the most important love that um Look, as we as we come to an end here, let's just let's just talk about specifically the last six to twelve months. I've seen you guys posting how you've had a really good year and these types of things. I guess yeah. like obviously we would we would have all faced our own challenges, personal, professional. But yeah. I don't know what if if I'm asking you now in retrospective, and I know we're still sort of working through this, but it seems like a lot a lot of the floodgates have opened. I, I keep hearing that got loads of jobs, need candidates, all these types of things, where it's different. 12, 40 months ago. Yeah. Um, don't know what what sort of things do you pull it down to that enabled you guys to have your best year since you've had or double like still double? Because a lot of people, yeah, would have had the, the opposite mindset and would have just sort of scaled back and thought, right, let's just survive. Like, I don't know, what what are some of the things you boil it down to yeah. as to why you guys were able to push on and create that success? Yeah. I think I think that the um I think that's like for me it's testament to like my team. Um, because without their like focus and, and uh thought process of wanting to do that and, and again their ambition, um it, it's not achievable. Like if if I want to do it but they don't, we're not gonna do it. Yeah. It's, it's impossible. So having them on board with that with that idea and having them, you know, really sort of again like again going back to it, like being entrepreneurial and thinking about their business and what their business needs, that was like a game changer that's so important um we were fortunate that without any sort of uh like chap like for example chapman black was one of our biggest competitors so that they disappeared that helped yeah. i can imagine um although although like when you cut when you cut the head off loads of different businesses yeah like, quite a few people started their own didn't they yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, that was the next step, which, which again, like, that's really, really good to see. And a lot of people that I work with now have their own businesses, which is also like there's a healthy competition now, I can imagine as well. But back to the point, like, I think that that disappearing gave us an opportunity to to sort of um, push forward and push on. And uh, our market didn't really suffer necessarily because of it, which was again like being in tech and being in like. Um, the future as such that that allows that it's a billion dollar industry that that's going to continue to develop at a significant rate. And I don't think that they were going to allow anything to stop them. So that obviously helped us as well. Um, and coming back to like the operations part, like nowadays, like having the right infrastructure, having laptops, having cloud calls and all that sort of stuff, having all that stuff that allows you to do that, like, 15 years ago or even 10 years ago when I started this wouldn't have been possible like you wouldn't we wouldn't have been able to continue and uh, it would have had a far more detrimental like knock-on effect to to people's jobs and welfare and all that sort of stuff yeah I love that so look before I go into sort of the quick fire questions and finish this off I've just got one or two okay. more things I want to ask you finally so you've spoken a lot around getting the right people you've worked really hard on on getting that right so i guess what i just wanted to hear from you are what are the sort of 
free non-negotiables for the connecting experts culture that they, they, they're, they're just the free parts of your culture that everyone sort of abides by that you think is, is going to continue to enable you guys to grow? Um, the, the, main, the main, like the biggest thing for us in terms of like culture, in terms of, of uh, yeah, success or whatever it is, is positive attitude. Um, yeah. Like if you, if you come in and you don't have a positive attitude, um, I can almost guarantee you will struggle to succeed. Um, so for me, number one, positive attitude. Number two, like work rate being, you know, really, really focused on what you want to achieve and how you want to do it and where you want to go and that sort of stuff. Like just, just every day doing everything you possibly can in terms of work rate is super important. Um, and and the third, because a lot of the people that we hire are, are young, and even if they weren't young, I think learning, um, you know, being open to learn and being open to uh, take, not criticism, but like critique um, and just wanting to develop as a person, that for me is so important. Love that. So before the quick fire question round, I love asking this question. And the question is, like, what do you think is the most important KPI that contributes to recruiter success? Most important KPI to come. Yeah. Uh, I'd say candidate, like candidate calls. If you're a candidate driven really? market, candidate calls. Yeah. Like then you know everything that's happening. Mm. The best recruiters know everything that's going on. They know who the candidates are. The, that, that was always the good thing. Like when I started, it was like, okay, build your top 250, but make sure you're speaking to candidates on a, on a, on a, on a daily basis, make sure you're speaking to loads of people. Um, so you could say call time, but aimless call time is, is pointless. Um, so I candidate calls and getting yourself known by the candidates and knowing what a good candidate looks like is, is what's the candidate is your product. So if you know what your product is and you know how to sell it, yeah, that's, that's the thing. You just, you just said they build your top 250. What's that? What do you mean by that? Oh, we used to, on paper, we used to write down 250 names of people with then mobile numbers and whatever else, um, like uh, for business development. So it's a bit like, okay, write up your top 250, but make sure, like of decision makers, but make sure you're speaking to candidates on, on a daily basis so you know what's going on. Yeah, got it. Love that. Right, final questions. So first question is, okay. um, if you could change the industry, what would you improve? Uh, the like cowboyness to it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I don't know if you're much of a reader, but I want to know what what book have you read that's had the biggest impact on you? Could be something you watched or maybe listened to if you're not a reader. Uh, I don't, I don't. Well, the biggest thing that I, that I read now is The Economist. Um, and, and just gen, general news about what's going on in the world. I think it's important uh, to open up your mind and to see how and what is happening. Um, but would I have said that 10 years ago? Probably not. I would have watched something like <laughs> Wall, Wall Street or something like that. <laughs> right. I'm interested to hear this one, mate. What did you spend your first biggest commission paycheck on? Uh, <laughs> so I love watches um so even now like, like, that's what i would that's what i'd always spend my money on 
watches. What was the first watch then, mate? Share. What was the first watch that you bought with a commission? So the, f- the, f- the first, so the first watch I bought was a was a Roadstar Cartier Roadstar, but like that wasn't necessarily like it was it was nice, but it wasn't a big watch. But like when I was when I, I got like a massive paycheck for a big quarter, I did, and I went and bought an Audemars. Um, and yeah, that was like nice, the first fair. like big thing that I had. Love that. Right, final question: What what's the ultimate goal for your? recruitment career or business can keep it business what's the ultimate goal for your recruitment business uh it's a good question um it, it will 100 percent evolve as time develops but i would say that the first goal the biggest sorry the ultimate goal for us is to be uh worldwide renowned for what we do um it's not about size it's not about revenue uh, those are byproducts of of being as a business successful um, so I would say for us to be, to have an international footprint, to be recognized, however that will be, we'll have to work on that over time, but being recognized for being, for delivering world-class, you know, services and talent to, to the businesses that we work with, that would be like, for me, the ultimate goal on an international, you know, scale. Ross. Thanks. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Well done on making it to the very end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I've done my very best to try and level up this podcast that will hopefully mean that you can take even more learnings from these conversations and apply it to your own recruitment career. Like always, if there are any particular topics that you would love me to cover with future guests, then please get in touch with me. The best place to reach me is on LinkedIn. Send me a message. What would you love me to cover with future guests? And if you have enjoyed the podcast, then it would be amazing if you could leave a honest review in your favorite podcast streaming platform. That will simply mean that we're able to reach more people with this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and don't forget to subscribe completely free on your favorite podcast streaming platforms and we'll be back next week with a new episode of the Recruitment Mentors Podcast.